with the third pick in the 2011 NBA draft, the Utah Jazz select Enes Kanter from Istanbul, Turkey. Do you think they're trying to silence you? Oh, for sure they are. Whenever I have a conversation with someone from NBA, they're like, listen, this is your farewell tour. Have fun with it. That's NBA player Enes Kanter Freedom sharing his suspicion that the league wants him and his criticism of China out. I don't want to say they're going to punish me, but I'm, I'm going to say that they're going to do everything they can to, I believe, not sign me down. I'm Margaret Hoover. This is the Firing Line Podcast. 24 hours after I spoke to Cantor Freedom, he was traded from the Boston Celtics to the Houston Rockets, then released and is now searching for a new team. His human rights advocacy is personal. Challenging his home country, Turkey, cost him his passport and landed his father in jail. Now, he's a new U.S. citizen, and he's calling out China for the genocide against Muslim Uyghurs. The things that I've read and watched, like, shattered my heart. I'm lost now. I was like, I have to stand up for those innocent people. And all who profit off of Beijing, from the Olympic Games to Nike, and even king of the court, LeBron James. When you get asked a question about China and you remain silent, you know, that is like the one thing that would frustrates me. He says he's willing to pick up the phone to hash it out directly. Why don't you try? I can try. I, I would actually like to. You should. He was also clear when we spoke. Despite all of his criticism, he has no intention of leaving the NBA unless he has no choice. I love basketball. I'm not, think, I'm not even thinking about, you know, quitting an NBA or anything like that. I love, I mean, I dedicate my whole life to this game. Enes Cantor Freedom, welcome to Firing Line. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. You are the six foot, 10 inch basketball center who's played for five NBA teams. But your personal story and now your human rights advocacy has helped elevate your profile. You are Muslim from Turkey, and you began speaking out against Turkish President Erdogan almost a decade ago. Why were you speaking out then? You know, my first two years in the league, I did not care about what's going on. All I cared about was just, you know, hanging out with my teammates, uh, have a good time, and just, you know, play basketball, try to win games, because that is my job, you know? And I remember it was the first time there was a big corruption scandal happening in Turkey. It was, uh, you know, President Erdogan and his family was involved in it. President Erdogan started to, you know, put journalists and, you know, put, you know, persecutors and police in a jail who caught him. And after that, he was starting to go around and shutting down media outlets. And that was actually the, for the first time I actually like tweet something. And because of the uh, NBA platform, it became a conversation here in the United States, especially in uh, Turkey. And I was like, even like one tweet is can affect this much from now, and I'm going to start to like, you know, pay attention about what's going on in my country. The Turkish authorities, as you well know, they have accused you of having ties to terrorism. Uh, there were warrants out for your arrest. You have even missed international competitions due to risks of traveling outside the United States. What have been the consequences for you personally to speaking out against Turkey's president? I think, you know, everyone in the world who is, you know, against the Turkish president automatically becomes a terrorist, becomes the enemy of the state. Um, I remember, you know, 
it was back in 2015. That was the last time I, you know, visited my family. That was the last time I saw my family. And because of the platform, you know, the really big media outlets, uh, really big newspapers uh, wanted me to, you know, go on live and talk about the situation or wanted me to, uh, wanted to interview me or wanted me to write op-ed for them. And I, I was doing it. And uh, Turkish government hated that. And, you know, uh, especially my family really got it affected. You know, my dad was a genetic professor. He got fired from his job. My sister went to medical school for six years. So she actually still cannot find a job. Uh, I think the saddest one was my little brother because his dream to become become an NBA player one day because he was playing basketball and he literally got kicked out in every team. That he was so young, I couldn't really explain why he was getting kicked out. And he was telling me like, "I'm the tallest one in my team. Why am I, you know, getting kicked out?" You know, they were getting affected so much. They sent police to my house in Turkey and they raided the whole house and they took every electronics away: phones, computers, laptops, iPads, because. They wanted to see if I am still in contact with my family or not. But they couldn't find anything, but they still took my dad in jail for a while. They wrote my passport, put my name on Interpol list. You know, I have now 10 arrests warrants for me in less than four years, you know. Um, but I think, you know, that's what happens. I feel like when you talk about some of the, you know, authoritarian or dictatorship uh, regimes out there. Your, your passport was revoked, but... Just last year, you became an American citizen. In celebration of that moment, you actually changed your last name to Freedom. And that word was important for you, I understand, to have on the back of your jersey. Why? Um, I remember first time you know, coming to America. Uh, I was back in 2009. I was playing high school. And one of my teammates criticized the president. And... And he did it on Facebook, actually. And I was like, very scared for him. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You're criticizing the president. You know, you might be thrown in jail the next day. And he started to laugh, actually. He was like, listen, man, this is not Turkey. This is America. And he tried to explain to me what freedom of speech, freedom of religion, expression, freedom of press means. So and then after that, obviously, that word meant so much to me. You became aware of human rights abuses against fellow Muslims in China last year. You tell a story about a parent of a child at a basketball camp who asked you why you weren't standing up for the Uyghurs, the Muslim minority in Xinjiang province in China. And I remember, you know, I was taking pictures with the kids and one of the parents asked me in front of everybody. And he's like, how can you call yourself a human rights activist when your Muslim brothers and sisters are getting tortured and raped every day? in concentration camps in China. And I turned around, I was shocked. And I promised them, I was like, I promise I'm gonna get back to you. So I canceled everything that day and went back to my hotel and started to research about what's going on. And uh, the things that I've read and watched like shattered my heart. And the more I researched, the more I was like shamed with myself. I was like, I cannot believe I have not said anything about this. I'm like, you know what? I feel like I, you know, Blindly, I was just focusing on one dictatorship the last 10 years. From now on, I'm going to try to bring awareness about what's going on over there. But I just didn't want to just, you know, research because you have all kind of you know news out there. We don't know which one to believe. So I sit down with some of the concentration camp survivors and had a conversation with them. And I wanted to hear what they're going through. And I remember she was 
telling me the story and crying at the same time. She was telling me about you know, the gang rape, the sterilization, um, you know, the torture methods and stuff. And that for me broke my heart. And I was like, you know, that also they're Muslim, I'm Muslim. I was like, I have to stand up for those uh, uh, innocent people. I mean, the U.S. State Department has called what is happening to the Muslim Uyghurs in China a genocide. Conservative estimates have at least a million Uyghurs subjected to uh, imprisonment, forced sterilization, torture, forced labor. You've been really outspoken about the Olympics. Um, As you know, also at the opening ceremony of the Olympics, there was a 20-year-old Chinese cross-country skier, a Uyghur woman, who was one of two Chinese athletes in the final torch lighting. And the International Olympic Committee said that her ethnicity had absolutely nothing to do with her selection. What's your take? I will say, I'll say it's all propaganda. You know, the, the, you know, I feel like China is trying to, you know, show the whole world that there's not a genocide happening. What's happening to the Uyghurs is just re-education camps and stuff. But I will, I, I will say it was all uh, propaganda. You've said that the United States diplomatic boycott of the games isn't enough. And the, you were expecting that athletes would also boycott the games. Do you really think athletes should give up their chance to compete? you know, a chance that only comes once every four years? I get their perspective, right? They are working so hard. And obviously, Olympics is maybe it'll come once in a lifetime. But the Chinese Communist Party does not uh, you know, represent the Olympic core values of excellence, of friendship, of uh, of respect. And I believe that the whole world understand they are a brutal dictatorship and they engage in censorship. They no freedoms, they don't respect human rights, they hide the uh, truth. And um, to all, all the athletes out there, I'm just thinking if their mother, if their father, if their sister, or if their daughter was in concentration camps and get a torture and rape, would they still go? That was the one, one question that I will ask to them. And all, I believe all the gold medals in the world that they, they can win is not more important than their morals, their values, and their principles. And I feel like, you know, at is a huge platform. And because of, obviously, we are playing sports, there are so many special young kids out there idolizing us. And because of the social media, they're pretty much watching and following everything. We I feel like they can impact a lot. You know, yeah, diplomatic boycott is good. It still shows something, but it's not enough. I wish that... You know, some athletes came out there and said, enough is enough. I'm not going to go in a country and compete for in a country like where there's a genocide happening because China using this is, is its own uh, propaganda. Is it tough for you as an NBA player and an athlete to make the case that those athletes should pass up the chance to compete on principle, even though you still get to compete by being in the NBA? Obviously, I'm playing in NBA, but same time, I'm calling out NBA. I'm calling out Nike. I'm calling out players. I am trying to hold them accountable. But if they're going to go there and just compete and not going to try to hold anyone accountable, but that means they're just part of the propaganda. The Chinese tennis star Peng Shui attracted international attention when she disappeared from public view for a period of time. She accused an official in the Chinese Communist Party of sexual assault. This week, Peng did what the AP described as a, quote, controlled interview with the French newspaper. 
and a Chinese Olympic Committee official sat in the room during the interview, Peng walked back the original allegation and, and called the concern over her safety, quote, enormous misunderstanding. Do you think that Peng Shui is acting at her own volition? About Peng Shui, you know, um, now, we, while we know that she's alive, we don't know that she's free. You know, China is trying to do everything they can to control the narrative about her. So I don't, I don't believe she is free. We know she's alive, you know, um, thanks God, but we don't, I don't believe that she's free. In 1966, on the original firing line, William F. Buckley Jr., the original host of this program, spoke to Sir Arnold Lunn, who was the skier that invented slalom ski racing. Now, Lunn opposed the Olympics being held in Nazi Germany in 1936. Listen to what he said three decades after those 1936 games. We, in your country and mine, in theory at least, we detest persecution. I would keep out of the Olympic Games the representatives of any country in which men are persecuted for religion, for politics, or for race. So here's the question. You know, despite all of the calls for a boycott in the 1936 Olympics, 49 nations, including the United States, sent teams to Berlin that year, and the quote-unquote Nazi Games became a propaganda tool that in some ways helps legitimize Hitler's regime. Are we going to look back the same way at the 90 countries who sent teams this year to China? Down the line of history, you know, I think we're going to look back and we will be ashamed that all the countries that will send their players or athletes to the, uh, in a country where there's a genocide happening. You've voiced your support through custom sneakers uh, for a free and independent Taiwan, Hong Kong, and Tibet. And your pro-Tibet stance caused Celtics games to be pulled from China altogether, where the NBA is hugely popular. Uh, NBA revenue from Chinese business is reportedly worth $5 billion annually. What else could the NBA be doing to make a real difference? I mean, I feel like till um, NBA should stop working with the companies until they show that they have nothing to do with sweatshops. And I'm obviously, I'm more of a coconut uh, Nike, right? I mean, it's pretty much a modern-day uh, slavery. And Nike is the biggest sponsor of the NBA. And there's not one player, there's not one team, or one owner, there's no support. It just, what frustrates me is when there is money involved, when there's business involved, all these companies and athletes and associations and commissionals itself, it's just quiet. So it just, it's sad. And that's how I would explain it. You've said you haven't left the NBA because you don't want to lose your platform. Under what conditions would you boycott the NBA or leave the league? I think also, you know, the, the one thing I have not left the league, obviously, it does educate so many young kids out there. That's my biggest motivation, to educate uh, all the kids out there. Now, everywhere I go, every arena I go, they're asking, all the little kids are asking me about, you know, what's happened over there in China. I'm trying to think, I think, I mean, I love basketball. I'm not, think, I'm not even thinking about, you know, quitting and be or anything like that. I love, I mean, I dedicate my whole life to, to this game. I, I just wish that even like a simple statement, from the commissioner, from the NBA, it will be, it will be enough for me. But they didn't. I mean, they're just too scared. 
He's leveled criticism at the king of the basketball court, LeBron James, for failing to stand up to China. You even designed a sneaker that featured a likeness of James kneeling before President Xi Jinping in front of bags of money. And you tweeted, quote, money over morals for the king. Sad and disgusting how athletes pretend that they care about social justice. They really do shut up and dribble when Big Boss says so. And you were referring to China by Big Boss. So, I mean, people will want to know, do you really believe that LeBron James is pretending to care about social justice issues like Black Lives Matter? Oh, no, I mean, first of all, he, he does care. He does care about, obviously, what's happening in this uh, country, you know. Um, but you cannot call yourself a more than an athlete or social justice warrior when the things that you're going to talk about is going to affect your money, your shoe sales or your jersey sales or your endorsement deals. That is like the one thing that really frustrates me. And me referring to LeBron, obviously, he was not the only one. There are so many other athletes, you know, so many other teams are just like sponsored by, you know, Nike and they've been talking about the situation that happened in America and it's amazing, cool. But when you get asked a question about China and you remain silent, you know, that is like the one thing that frustrates me. So I feel like we, I need to hold these people accountable and I'm just keep calling them out. But I think one thing about him, obviously, I, I cannot say enough about his game on the court, but off the court, he just, I don't, I, I don't want to say he's not educated, I don't want to say I want to educate him and talk to him because I, I believe me, he might know even more than me. But people need to, especially players need to understand when you put your signature on a paper and sign this multi-whatever million dollar contract with this company, still do a little research because once you put your signature, it's not just, just your signature, it's your face, your brand, your for everything. LeBron, of course, is you know one of the ro- most recognizable figures in the league. He If he doesn't know that one of the countries from which he's benefiting monetarily substantially is perpetrating what our government calls a genocide. You know, perhaps he would do well to sit down and visit with you. Now, you have said you would like to sit down and talk to him. Why haven't you called him? I would would love to. I don't think it would be a very uncomfortable uh, situation. And I don't think he will even pick up the phone. I can try, but I don't even think he will bet. Pick up the Why phone. don't you try? I can I can try. I, I would actually would like you should. to. I actually would like to because I mean, it will it will go so far if I say something. But if he if he says something, obviously it's going to be everywhere in the world that he will put so much pressure on the Chinese government, on the you know the the people and the league. The reason I have not done it because it actually. Broke my heart. Many of my, you know, colleagues. I did reach out to not him, but like many of the people around the league. And what they told me really, you know, broke my heart. They said, "Listen, I think what you're doing is so amazing, and I think what you're doing is so you know, inspirational. Keep doing what you're doing, but we cannot support you out loud because we have family, family to feed. Um, you know, we have lots of endorsement deals. They sign with Nike, or you know, even people don't don't know this, but on the brand." And Lakers came to Boston during the game and a free throw. Uh, one of his teammates said, Keep doing what you're doing. He has he said <clears throat> he has so much to say, but just because of he said these teams got us, he cannot talk about any of the problems that are happening in the NBA. Because he said, I, I need another country. 
So that is the one thing that really like, frustrates me and broke my heart. I'm like, wow, this, this is just crazy, you know? So I did reach out to many players around the league, but they said, listen, we love you, we support you, we're going to pray for you, but we just cannot do it out loud. So you've criticized Nike for its uh, reported use of Uyghur forced labor in its supply chain. You know, the company Nike, it has denied those allegations. And in October, you wore Nike sneakers covered with blood. And the message said, made with slave labor. So in 2020, to be fair to Nike, they put out a statement acknowledging concern over reports of forced labor in Xinjiang, but added that they do not source products from the region. What do you need to hear from Nike to be convinced that it is not profiting off of forced labor? I think one thing that I need to hear from them is, okay, they said they are going to shut down all the sweatshops, um, especially in Xinjiang, because I think what they're going through is heartbreaking. So once I hear that, I will have to research with my people and if they have really done it or not. In late October, you participated in a rally in Washington, D.C. to encourage the passage of the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act, which passed unanimously in the Senate and almost unanimously in the House of Representatives. President Biden signed it. And what the law does is it promises to keep goods made with forced labor in China's Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region out of U.S. markets and to impose sanctions related to forced labor. You know, what is the next thing? that needs to be done? You know, the, the, my next obvious project, there are other bills out there that we are working on. There is another bill that we're working with uh, some other activists in uh, Hong Congress. I wanna, <coughs> I wanna actually create a, another bill for uh, Tibetan people. But I think the, the next step is try to put as many pressure that uh, we can uh, towards uh, China. You, uh, you have spoken, you've spent a lot of time talking to both Republicans and Democrats on these issues. Uh, you're sort of a, a nonpartisan advocate for human rights. And you've also spent a lot of time going on different media outlets trying to elevate these issues. And as Cantor Freedom plays for the Boston Celtics, and he joins us tonight. Now, one program you went on got more criticism than the rest, and that was Tucker Carlson's, who probably because he has a history of promoting conspiracy theories and he's been criticized for pretty xenophobic rhetoric. You know, one of the things he has said is that Democrats are trying to replace the current electorate with more obedient voters from the third world. And that's a theory known as the great replacement theory. You know, you're an immigrant. (laughs) Um, Our country's made of immigrants. Uh, How do you think about whether some places you might choose to appear might actually undermine the message that you're trying to elevate? That is, that's a good question because obviously the question you asked me, the same question that my teammates were asking. But I want to explain, there is a message and I want to get this message every part of the country. It doesn't matter, you're Republican, you're Democrat, you're far right, you're far left. There's a really good message and it, it talks about human rights, right? And obviously some of the programs I attend does get a lot of criticism, but... The, the one thing, I never talk about politics. I never go on to the shows or to talk about any kind of political stuff. I always talk about the, how you know, China is abusing you know, people's rights. Would you go back on Tucker Carlson's show? I mean, good question. To talk about dictatorship regimes, to talk about how people are getting abused, I think so. 
but I would definitely try to make sure that it's okay with my teammates because they're like my uh, family. Let me ask you something about the NBA. The NBA released results for an all-star fan vote in January. And the original tally showed that you received zero votes. And then a day later, the database with the tally was updated to show that you actually received 8,384 votes. A league spokesperson credited the issue to a technical error. Do you believe that explanation? So I believe maybe they're trying to do everything they can to make sure I don't have that big platform to talk about what I want to talk about. Or maybe it's a technical issue. Do you think they're trying to silence you? Oh, for sure they are. Not because of the vote. I'm not just talking about because of the vote and stuff, but because of what they have done in the past, for sure, yeah. How do you know? Or why do you think that? Because, I mean, it's pretty clear you've given them a headache. Well, just because of um, I wore those shoes in the first game, they came, the two officials came to me and said, we are begging you, take those shoes off. And it was an amazing time because I was right, I was getting right before like my citizenship test. I was like, I have 27 amendments, my first amendment, freedom of speech. You cannot take that away from me. So I was like very like rough with them. And I was like, go tell your bias. I don't care what they do. Ban, fine. I'm not taking the shoes off. You know, there are people in us who speculate that you've created enough of a headache for the NBA that you could be released from your team, the Celtics, and not signed by another NBA team for next year. Is there any validity to that speculation? Uh, so uh, recently, whenever I have a conversation with someone from the NBA or one of my ex-teammates, they're like, listen, this is your farewell tour. Have fun with it. Enjoy it. I hope you win a championship because I don't think you're going to sign another contract after this year. I was like, Is well, that because of what you've said? Yes, it's 100% because of what I said. I'm 29 years old, healthy, and I can't play another six years. So... If I understand you correctly, what you're saying is you don't think you're going to be signed again because you've been so outspoken about your views. I don't want to say it because I don't have any facts in my hand. Because if I say it, then I will be accusing them. But you suspect something. But you suspect that that's, that's the case. That's what I'm thinking. And it's Cantor Freedom. Thanks so much for your time, for joining me to discuss the issues, your advocacy, and your playing. It means a lot. Thank you so much. 24 hours after our interview, just at the NBA trade deadline, Cantor Freedom was traded from the Boston Celtics to the Houston Rockets, a team whose own former general manager caused controversy in 2019 by tweeting support for Hong Kong's freedom movement. Then, after being traded, Cantor Freedom was released, leaving him without a team, for now. It's unclear whether it was his advocacy or his play that triggered the trade. His first social media post after the news broke? The world will be shocked. Will his next play be on the court or off? Stay tuned.